welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. going to tease Pastor Dan hard this morning because if you know me at all, you know this is my least favorite day of the year. I absolutely hate spring forward. I love fall back. I have no problems with fall back, but I absolutely hate spring forward. So congratulations to all of you for getting here for first service this morning, the early risers. That's awesome. Uh, but really, I should be thanking Pastor Dan because if I wasn't preaching today, I'd be on worship team, and worship team has to get here a full hour earlier than I do when I preach. So thank you, Pastor Dan, for giving me a break on 2022 Spring Forward. So Pastor Dan and Emily will be back next week. They were at a conference this week, getting filled up. Um, can't wait um, to hear what they have to say when they get back and everything they, that they got from that conference. So today, we are continuing the Breakthrough Series. It's been a great series, right? Give a clap if you got something good out of the series so far. I talked to so many people that are waiting for a breakthrough in their lives. So it's such a timely message. Love that Holy Spirit gave that theme to Pastor Dan, and it's been impacting people huge. Uh, so today we're going to focus on the story of Jacob and Esau. I love this story. God gave me um, this message um, back during COVID. It was one of the online messages that I gave, but this time around, he gave me a nice breakthrough spin on it. So we're going to spend a lot of time in the backstory, and then we'll get to the breakthroughs that Jacob and Esau both experienced and how they got to those breakthroughs. So this message stemmed from one verse that stood out to me in Genesis 27. It's just my absolute favorite way to study the Bible. It's so simple. You're just reading, and then something will stand out. A word will stand out. A phrase will stand out. A particular story will stand out. And when that happens, you just have to stay there for a minute. Don't move on. Just stay there and ask God what he's speaking to you. So we'll get to what that one verse was in Genesis 27 later on. And the message. But can you imagine? That's why there's so many amazing messages out there. Because think about how many words are in the Bible. Millions and millions, right? And if God can speak to us an entire message through one word, that is so incredible to me. Love it. All right, so we are going to recap the story found in Genesis 25. You can go back and read that on your own later. We'll read a big chunk of it. But here's the backstory. So Isaac and Rebecca, they are ready to start a family, and Rebecca becomes pregnant with twins. And the twins are struggling with each other in the womb. Ladies, I can't even imagine being pregnant with twins. I had this naive idea when I was first pregnant. Jesse and I were like, yeah, we want to have twins. By the grace of God, we did not have twins. I think twins are absolutely amazing. They're so cute when they're dressed up in their little matching outfits and whatnot. But God knew better. He did not give us twins because Lord knows I would not have been able to handle that. Um, and I can't even imagine being having two babies inside of you, let alone poor Rebecca, these boys are grappling inside of her all the time. So she asks God, why is this happening to me? Why are these babies like fighting in my womb all the time? And he tells her in Genesis 25, 23, the sons in your womb will become two nations. 
From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. So, wow, not a great start, right? She's like, awesome, thanks. (laughs) These babies are fighting inside of me, and it's not going to get any better when they come out. So the twins are born. Esau's first. Uh, He's like hairy. And the Hebrew term Esau sounds like the word hair. So thank you to the footnote in my Bible for telling me that. So that's why he's named Esau. And then Jacob, the same way, he was born next and he was holding on to Esau's heel. So Jacob sounds like the Hebrew word for heel and deceiver. Again, thank you footnote in my Bible. You can't ignore those footnotes, guys. Those footnotes give you lots of good information. But can you imagine if we were named like that now? I would probably be some weird variation of like early and bald because I was born six weeks early and I had no hair on my head until I was about a year old. So thank goodness we aren't named that way anymore. (laughs) Anyway, Esau and Jacob, they're born to Isaac and Rebekah. And as the boys grew up, the parents definitely played favorites. So Esau, he's a man's man. The Bible says that Isaac loved him because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home and prepared for him. Now, I can relate to this because I love food. Just like I said, lists are one of my favorite things in this world. Food is another favorite of mine. I was so blessed I got to serve at the wild game dinner that we had here a few weeks ago, and I am still thinking about that bear jambalaya. It was so delicious. Anybody else have that bear jambalaya? Yes, so good, right? So good, love it. Uh, Then we have Jacob. He is a straight up mama's boy. Nothing wrong with that, the Bible just says. He had a quiet temperament and he hung out at home a lot and Rebecca loved him. And I can relate to this too because man, is there nothing better than when your kids choose to stay home with you, when your kids choose to snuggle up with you and and just be with you. It's one of my favorite things also. But regardless, these boys, they are different as different can be. They've been in competition since they were in the womb. God himself said that they would become two rival nations. So let's fast forward to the uh, end of Isaac's life, or he's nearing the end. So he calls for Esau to go and hunt and make his favorite meal for him so that he can give him the blessing as a firstborn son. Now, this is really distant from our culture But in biblical times, blessings were a way to catalyze destiny in a person's life. Receiving a blessing from your father was a high honor, and losing that blessing was tantamount to a curse. So it was really important. The Old Testament blessing of a father to his sons included words of encouragement, details regarding each son's inheritance, and prophetic words concerning the future. So it's a big deal, huge deal. But Rebecca over here, so remember, she loves Jacob. Not that she doesn't love Esau, she just prefers Jacob. She overhears and she wants the blessing for Jacob. And remember what God told her about her older son serving the younger. So could it be because of the word that she received from the Lord and her love for Jacob that she was attempting to make what God said come to pass? Anybody ever tried to do that? Ugh, so guilty. 
so guilty of doing that. It's so tempting, especially when it's something regarding your children, right? You want it so bad for them. So you'll do anything you can to try to make it happen. But as parents, we do. We need to step back and we need to let God do what he's going to do in their lives, right? Because nothing's going to stop it, which we'll see here in a little bit. So regardless of Rebecca's motives, I don't know if that's why, it was just a thought I had. She comes up with a plan to trick Isaac into thinking Jacob is Esau. So bear with me, we're going to read a big chunk of this story in Genesis 27. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father, and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob, because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau, he asked. So he's suspicious for sure. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. 
Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. So let's stop right there for a minute. Why? Why would the blessing have to stand? I just, whenever I would read that, I just never understood. Like, that doesn't make any sense. If the blessing was intended for Esau, why can't it just be given to Esau too? So I found an interesting article that explained this, and I find it very plausible. So when we read Tremble Uncontrollably, we think that Isaac was afraid, but he was probably actually trembling in fear of the Lord. So Rebecca probably shared with her husband what the Lord had told her concerning the sons in her womb and the whole word about the elder son serving the younger. And Isaac realized that the blessing couldn't be revoked because it was still being carried out in spite of Jacob's sin. God's will was being carried out regardless of the circumstances. He realized that God had intended for Jacob to receive that blessing, and he knew that there was absolutely nothing that he could do to change it. So let that encourage you today. Your sin does not keep you from God's destiny. Now, it's not an excuse to keep on sinning, right? But it does not disqualify you from God's plan. There's nothing in this world that can stop God's plan for your life, right? Just repent. If you have sinned, if you've messed up, just tell God you're sorry. And the plan's going to continue on. So many people, I feel like we get stuck. I've been there before. I've messed up. And then I'm like, ugh, I'm done. My life is done. I, there's going to be nothing else. I totally lost that. And I'm just going to sit here and I'll take what I can from here on out. But that's not what happens. You know, think about with our kids, right? When they mess up, do we hold that against them for the rest of their lives? Do we say, no, we're done with you? You messed up? Absolutely not. That's like what Pastor Dan was talking about last week when uh, he was talking about, like, God doesn't just walk into your room and say, shame, or, you know, remind you of your sin. That's not the way as parents that we take care of our children. So just think about how much even better God is at that. So it does not disqualify you. You still have a plan. You still have a purpose. You still have a calling. You still have a divine destiny for your life. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So good. So let's continue on with the story. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name's Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me, he says. And what Esau means there by cheated me twice earlier in the story, Jacob also took Esau's rights as the firstborn son, and the firstborn's rights were a double portion of the inheritance and leadership of the family when their father passed away. So Jacob has taken Esau's, basically his whole identity. He took the inheritance. He took the leadership position. 
and he took the blessing. So in verse 37, Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. So we're going to stop right there for now. We'll come back to Esau, but let's focus on Jacob right now and learn about his breakthrough. So let's go back to Jacob's blessing in Genesis 27, 28, and 29. This is a blessing of provision and influence. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. It's the blessing we all want, right? Always going to have everything that we need, physically and spiritually. We're always going to be successful, going to have influence and leadership in our lives. And Jacob did experience all of this in his lifetime, but it certainly was not easy. We talk about this a lot in messages. Uh, John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So life isn't going to be easy. Life is hard, but God has all the answers. And this was true for Jacob. Life was hard for Jacob, but he received a vision from God, and that's what changed his life and got him on the path to breakthrough. So our first point today is in order to have breakthrough, you have to get God's vision for your life. So after Jacob steals the blessing, he runs away from home to go live with his uncle Laban. And on the way to where Uncle Laban lives, he receives a vision from God in a dream. This is found in Genesis 28. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land, his homeland. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. What an amazing vision from God. And remember, Jacob has spent his whole life up to this point being called deceiver. Every time he heard his name, heel grabber, deceiver, he probably felt unloved. He probably felt undervalued. That's probably why he spends so much time at home with his mom. He didn't feel like going out in the streets and being called deceiver every single day of his life. <laughs> so God reveals his heart for Jacob in this vision. And he says, I'm your God. I'm giving you the very ground you lie on right now. I will bless you with countless descendants. I am with you. I will protect you. I will bring you back to your homeland. I won't leave you. I keep 
my promises. I feel like Jacob must have probably had some trust issues, you know, his whole life. And God's showing him right here, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you. You don't have to worry about it. Just follow my vision for your life. And that's what God's saying to you today, too. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He has an amazing plan for your life. And he's never, ever going to give up on you. We just sang about that this morning. We just sang about it. You're never going to let me down, God. He's never, ever going to let us down. Have you noticed the stickers on our front doors? They say, you are loved. You are valued. You are believed in. Those aren't there just because it looks nice and it looks cool. Those are there because when you walk in and when you leave this place, we want you to know that you are loved, you are valued, you are believed in. You are loved, valued, and believed in by this church family, but more than that, you are loved, you are valued, you are believed in by the one true God. Yeah, amen. So homework for this week, spend some time asking God to give you vision for your life. Maybe like Jacob, you've had a name or a reputation attached to you. It's not too late to change it. Maybe you're stuck in sin and you're unsure how to get out of it. Repent. Tell God you're sorry. Ask him to give you vision. Ask him to help you. You could have a dream like Jacob. Maybe he'll just give you one word. Maybe you'll notice a random post on Facebook. That has happened to me so many times. Somebody posts something on Facebook and it's exactly what I need to hear that day. And sometimes it's not even, it's like an ad. It's not even from somebody that I know. So I love that God can speak to us. He wants to speak to us through everything. We just have to open up our eyes and we just have to see it. And God's going to speak to you. He knows how he designed you. So he's going to speak to you through the way that he designed you. If you're a creative person, he'll speak to you through creativity if you're a type A person like me, he'll speak to you. I feel like the type A persons, maybe we're the ones that like have to have it thrown in our face on Facebook, right? Because <laughs> we're stuck with our agenda and we might miss it. Um, but anyway, God's going to speak to you in some way, some form. And you'll know. You'll know when it's him. And when you get it, just hang on to it and allow God to start moving you toward your destiny. So let's get back to Esau. We left him weeping and begging for Isaac to bless him too. And this isn't him being dramatic. Remember that in this time, not receiving that blessing was equivalent to a curse in his life. And he did not want to be cursed. So he's begging, Dad, please, don't you have just one more blessing for me? And Esau's blessing was a prophetic blessing. Isaac was speaking prophetically into his life. Listen to this in Genesis 27, 39, and 40. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Oof, that sounds yeah, that sounds good. Maria caught the end there. But the beginning of that sounds awful. I used to read this and think, Esau got the short end of the stick. What kind of blessing is this? It sounds like a curse. It sounds like the exact thing that he didn't want in his life. It sounds so dull and dreary. But really, it is a blessing of forgiveness and freedom. Isaac was speaking prophetically 
into Esau's life because he understood the pain that Jacob's deception would cause Esau. So he gave him a blessing of forgiveness and freedom because Esau was ticked, and rightly so, right? We talked about it. He basically stole, Jacob basically stole Esau's entire identity. He's so mad that he plots to kill Jacob. It says, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. He was mad. And that caused the first part of his blessing to come true. It says, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. What does that even mean? Why will Esau live away from these things? It's because of his anger. His anger is what's keeping him away. It's keeping him away from the richness of the earth and the dew of the heaven above. We see these words in Jacob's, like those very words in Jacob's blessing too, but in a much more positive light. My interpretation of this for Esau's blessing is that he would struggle to find contentment both physically and spiritually in the physical world and spiritual world because it talks about earth and heaven. Like he, because of his anger, would just continually struggle because of what was in his heart. And living by your sword, constantly warring with others and warring with yourself because of the nastiness in your heart, right? The sword is a false protection. We hold up that sword because we think that it will protect us from getting hurt. We're like, yes, I have this weapon. It's going to protect me. I'm not going to get hurt again. But that's not how it works. When we hold unforgiveness, when we hold bitterness in our heart, that sword just gets heavier and heavier and heavier and weighs us down. And it gets so heavy, you can't even hold up that sword anymore. It's just dragging on the ground behind you because it's so heavy. And it offers you zero protection. And his blessing also says, you'll serve your brother. And we know that Esau would never willingly serve his brother. He's so mad. So he must be enslaved somehow. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. Esau was enslaved by his sin. He was enslaved by his unforgiveness and his bitterness towards his brother. And that's what caused him to serve his brother. That's what caused that whole prophecy to come true. Now, the word serve and Esau's blessing, this is really important. It comes from the Hebrew word abad, and that means a bond servant. And a bond servant was someone who had completed his time of servitude, but chose to continue to serve his master out of love for him. So unforgiveness is a choice. Esau chose to be angry and hate his brother. It wasn't a good choice, but we've all been there, right? We've all carried around anger way longer than we should have. That verse in Ephesians, it says, don't even hang on to it for a day. Because when you even hang on to it for that long, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and start calling the shots. So in order to have breakthrough, we learn this from Esau, we need to forgive. We need to let go of unforgiveness. We need to forgive people who have hurt us in our lives. 
Have you heard that analogy that unforgiveness ties a rope between you and the person that you have unforgiveness? So just like we're dragging that sword around, not only are we dragging that around, we also have all these ropes tied to us with all these people that we're just lugging around behind us and it weighs us down. So we need to cut those ropes. We need to take that sword and we need to cut those ropes off. But there was hope for Esau and for us tucked in at the very end of his blessing. And it's found in Genesis 27:40. And this is the one verse, the one word that stuck out to me, or two words really, and started the ball rolling for this message. He says in the blessing, but when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. And the two words are when you decide, when we decide. I love that Isaac called out a destiny of forgiveness and freedom for Esau because he knew, as a father, he knew. He was human. He understood the emotions and the pain that Esau was going to go through. But he also took the time. You know, when we read his blessing, it says, Isaac finally said. So he really put some thought into that blessing for Esau. And he gave him a blessing. He spoke prophetically into his life. When you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. You will cut. So all we have to do is decide. All we have to do is take that sword that we've been using to try to protect ourselves and just cut those ropes, cut those ropes of unforgiveness and bitterness and whatever else it is so that we can be free. Because when Esau could finally let go of his anger, he would stop carrying the weight of his brother around with him. And we'll see that he did do that um, in just a few minutes. So if unforgiveness is a choice, then the opposite must be true as well, right? Forgiveness is also a choice. It's not always an easy choice, but it is so beneficial. When we choose to forgive, it brings peace and rest because we don't have to hold up that sword. We don't have to hold it up anymore. And when we choose to forgive, it breaks down walls between us and God and allows him to heal our heart. So let's get back to the story and see how it ends. We don't hear anything about Esau again until God tells Jacob it's time to go back to his homeland. It's been 20 years since the great deception. Jacob was obedient, but he was nervous about how Esau would receive him. So he's heading back to his homeland, and as he gets closer... He keeps sending gifts ahead of his family to appease Esau, just in case he's still mad 20 years later. And the night before Jacob meets Esau, he has his famous wrestling match with God. And we'll come back to the significance of that in just a minute. But the next morning, he wakes up to face Esau. And in Genesis 33, Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. This part absolutely cracks me up every time I read it, because <laughs> earlier on in the story, uh, when Jacob goes to live with Uncle Laban, he's like, Oh, he sees Rachel and he's like, I love her. I want her to be my wife. And I think he works like seven years to have Rachel as his wife. But then Uncle Laban pulls a fast one on him and slips Leah into the tent instead of Rachel. And so Leah's his wife. 
And he's like, what the heck? So then he works another seven years, I think, seven years. He works years anyway, to finally get to marry Rachel. Well, then there's like this whole sisterly rivalry thing going on to see who can produce the most heirs and children for Jacob. So then through the course of that, he also obtains a couple servant wives. And it just cracks me up every time I read this because look at the placement that he does. He puts the servant wives and their children at the front. And then he puts Leah and he saves Rachel for last. So he's like putting them in order, like the people, like his least favorite to his favorite between him and Esau. What a human thing to do. I just think that's funny. So just like his mom, he's also playing favorites, right? Uh, All right, so verse three. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. And further down in verse 10, Jacob says, what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Why would he say that? It's because the night before, when he was having his famous wrestling match with God, the Bible tells us that he named that place Peniel, which means face of God, because he had seen God face to face there. So I believe Esau did break through and have uh, forgiveness. His forgiveness was the real deal because Jacob could see it in his face. Remember God's word tells us in Proverbs, as face is reflected in water, so a person is reflected by his heart. So Jacob could see in Esau's face that God had gotten in his heart and had healed his heart and he was no longer harboring that unforgiveness for Jacob. And if you want further proof, we just read that Esau ran to meet him and hugged him. And you don't do that to the people that you hate. You run to meet the people that you love. So our last point today is, in order to have breakthrough, you have to make peace. You have to make peace in your own heart, and you have to make peace with others. Esau made peace in his heart. He forgave Jacob. And Jacob made peace in his heart. He let go of his old identity, and he embraced his new identity that God had given him. In that uh, famous wrestling match, we also learn that God gave him a new name. God says, you're not going to be called deceiver anymore. Your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is Israel, which means God fights. So his blessing came true. The vision that God gave him came true. God says, I, I'm fighting for you. You don't have to scrabble and, and work for um, you know, peace and, and prosperity, and you don't have to work and try to make things happen in your life. God says, I'm fighting for you, Israel. And the twins, the boys, they made peace with each other. They had accepted that each had grown and changed into different people in the 20 years that they were apart. And I love later on in Genesis chapter 35, when Isaac finally does pass away, the Bible says, Esau and Jacob buried him together. What a beautiful story of breakthrough from both sides of a conflict. It's a story of reconciliation. 
So can we just close our eyes this morning? We're here in God's presence. Do you need reconciliation in your life? Christ the Redeemer is here in this room. Are there any areas in your heart that you need healing today? The healer is in this room right now. Are you holding up a sword like Esau to try to protect yourself? The God who fights for you is ready to go to battle for you. Or are you hiding behind a false identity like Jacob? Your heavenly father in this moment is waiting to show you who you really are. So let's just take a moment and ask Holy Spirit to reveal to us any areas of our hearts where we need to make peace. And just take that first one that popped into your mind. God never wants to overwhelm us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're speaking to us. You're highlighting a name. You're showing us a face. Somebody that we need to forgive, that we need to let go of. Maybe it's your own face. I've dealt with that many times. I need to just forgive myself for the things that I've done and walk with my head held high knowing that I'm a child of God, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved. That's what he's saying to you today too. Just let go of it. Take that sword that you've been dragging around. God's giving us strength right now to cut those ties, to cut those ropes of unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or shame, pride, whatever it is. God, thank you that with your strength, we can overcome. You are the overcomer. God, you already have won the victory. Jesus, thank you that you came so that we could live a life of freedom. Thank you that you are calling out a destiny in all of us. You want both of those blessings of Jacob and Esau to come true in our lives. God, your desire is that we would live a full and prosperous life, that we would be successful, that we would live close to the riches of the earth and close to the dew of heaven, close in your presence. And you desire for us to have leadership and influence to the people around us, carrying the good news, sharing your word, sharing our testimony of, of your goodness in our lives so that other people can experience your goodness, Lord. And you're calling out a blessing, calling out a destiny of forgiveness and freedom. God, it was never your desire that we would walk around dragging people behind us, God. So God, thank you that with your strength, we're cutting off those ties. Just picture yourself right now, picking up that sword, cutting yourself free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for freedom in this place. God, thank you for blessing us today. 
Thank you for giving us the tools to break free and live the life of freedom that you have for us. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful week.